You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Was there anything to cover from yesterday in the sports world? We will get to the Super Bowl momentarily. Now, you all know I've been talking about this for the last two weeks. You've known that I had a Philadelphia Eagles preseason Super Bowl bet that would have won me over $12,000 if they win the game yesterday. Obviously, I'm not happy. Of course, I would have liked them to win the game. I did cover myself on the back end, so I did not lose overall. Uh, I ended up winning on the game yesterday. Would have won much more if the Eagles won, but I covered myself. And this might get a little nerding out here for people that don't understand gambling, but I didn't hedge. I didn't bet Kansas City for like, you know, $2,000. And then, well, I was either going to win... 1500 on Kansas City, 2000 minus the 500 that I had on Philly to win it at the beginning of the year. 500 that paid around 12000 So 1500 to win on Kansas City or win my Philly bet if they won the game and then you have to subtract $2,000 because I would have bet Kansas City and then I would have won only ten. No, I didn't do it that way. What I did was over the last two weeks – I've been doing three-team teasers and having the third team be Kansas City plus nine. So essentially what I was doing was guaranteeing myself a win either way, no matter who won, but guaranteeing myself I would have won more if Philly won and they won between between one and eight points, which was very possible yesterday going into the fourth quarter, how close the game was, 35-35 with five minutes left. Yeah, I mean, it would have worked out perfect. I would have won more than my 12 that I would have won on the game if Philly won outright. But overall, obviously disappointed a little bit. I did end up winning because I covered myself on the back end. However, I will look at the game objectively. I'm not going to sit here and whine. I I will look at it objectively. Clearly, I'm going to talk about the penalty at the end of the game. But I'm not going to sit here and bag on the Chiefs and say they should never have won or anything like that. You're not going to hear that from me. Um but I, I will talk about the things in the, that happened in the game. So let's start off with this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try and go in order here, but I'm sure I'll be kind of thrown off by things. The one thing that we got, and it's what I talked about for two weeks, is like, hey, coin flip. You know, we have no idea who's going to win these games. It was exactly what we wanted. Fourth quarter could have gone either way. That's what you want out of a big game like that. The one thing that I did say that I was pretty sure of was I'd be surprised if the other team blew the other one out. Either way. And while Philly dominated the first half, they were only up by 10. And you saw me tweet out right before halftime, Philly has had the ball three times as much as Kansas City has. At the two-minute warning, Philly had had the ball 21 minutes and KC had the ball seven. And yet they only had a 10-point lead because of that fumble return for a touchdown. And... It could have been worse, and that had me worried because I knew Kansas City had the ball to start the second half, and I said, if Patrick Holmes comes out, because he's playing in the second half, he might be limited or whatever, but he's playing, and if he comes out and drives him down the field and gets a touchdown, it's a three-point game, so it doesn't matter that it's a double-digit lead. It's the smallest double-digit you can get, which is 10, so it really didn't matter. Hell, even if Kansas City came out and got a field goal, it was a one-score game with plenty of time left. So the 24-14 lead after the domination by Philly in the first half, I mean, you look at those numbers, 
as great as Jalen Hurts played, which he played outstanding, that fumble return for a touchdown really, really hurt the Eagles because if they would have scored on that drive, either a field goal, that's a 10-point swing, a touchdown, that's a 14-point swing, then the game's out of you know then the game could be getting out of hand then you'd be up you know 21-7 um but at halftime the eagles had a 17 to 6 first down lead they had outgained them 270 yards to 128 over 100 yards outgained them by passing 87 yards rushing to 39 yards rushing and they had the ball you know for 21 minutes and casey had the ball for 8 Patrick Mahomes was on the field for eight minutes in the first half. The game plan couldn't have gone any better for the Eagles if you're the Eagles coach. We have a double-digit lead heading into halftime. Mahomes hasn't gotten off yet. Jalen's playing great. Our defense has stifled them. The defense had only given up seven points in the first half. It was everything you could have asked for if you're an Eagle fan in the first half. And then in the second half, they couldn't stop anybody. And it was the one worry I had all the last two weeks – and like what I kind of kept saying, I said, yes, all the stats favor the Eagles. A lot of the stats were broken. Teams with a double-digit lead at halftime were 26-1 and in the Super Bowl. Well, make that 26-2. and The only other time was the Falcons over the Patriots. Well, now it's 26-2. and But all those stats that favored the Eagles and the fact that the Eagles were better defensively all season and the one thing that worried me was the best player on the field – plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, the MVP of the league, Patrick Mahomes. And so if it was a close game in the fourth quarter, you knew he was going to take over at some point. And 35-35, five and a half minutes left, I was like, the Eagles have not stopped them all second half. Now, granted, the Chiefs only had eight possessions the whole game, four in the first half, four in the second half. But... The way they dominated in the second half, it was just, I mean, kudos to them. You can't, the Eagles had their chances. We'll get to the, we'll get to the penalty in a little bit, but the Eagles had their chances. Let's face it, you know, and they could do nothing to throw off Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. All you need to do is look at those two touchdowns that the two of the three touchdowns that the Chiefs scored in the second half. Ran the same play twice, and the receiver was wide open. Like, Philly was – heads were turned. They didn't know what to do on defense. Like, they got out-schemed big time by Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs' offense. There's no other way to put it. They had wide-open touchdowns. Like, they didn't even have to work for them. They just ran great plays, and Philly had no idea what to do. So, we got that. We got a great game, which I'm happy for. Before the game – um. <laughs> Look, I know that Philly is known for having some harsh fans. And I showed you that, you know, we talked about the video of them harassing Joey Bosa before the NFC Championship game and all that. And, you know, look, I get it. I get your whole thing is we want to just boo everything. We want to boo Santa Claus and we want to boo everybody that's not pro-Philly. But I and, I, you know, you can't control this. It's impossible. The fans are going to do what the fans are going to do. Once they're in the stadium, outside of, you know, don't kill anybody, shoot anybody, throw shit onto the field. But what you do with your voice, there's nothing the NFL can do. However, was it pretty shitty when Dak Prescott is accepting the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award before the game 
and nothing but booze are raining down, and you know that's coming from the Philly fans, it's like, okay, can you put your differences aside for just the beginning of the game? It's not like Dak was playing and carving up your defense. He was accepting an award for the man of the year in the NFL for all the charity work that he does, and you have to sit there and boo because you're Philly fans. It's just stupid. You know, I get it. You're going to do it, and nothing I say is going to change it. But I think that's low class, and you have to admit that it is. I, I don't care if you say, well, no, he's a cowboy. We're going to boo any cowboy. Boo him on the field. Boo him when they play in your stadium. Don't boo him when he's accepting a Man of the Year award for all of his off-the-field charity work that he does. I mean, come on. I'm sorry, Philly fan. You're not going to win that argument with me. I get that he's a Dallas Cowboy and you hate everything Dallas. That's fine. But leave that to the field. Leave that to the game. If he throws an interception, cheer the hell all, all the hell you want. Boo him when he gets introduced running onto the field. But don't boo him when he's accepting a Man of the Year award. That's just low class and shitty. So the game starts. And we're into the second, and this will just this will just cover the whole game. All you got to do is go back to, <laughs> what did I tell you this for a few months? Go back to my podcast on Monday, December 26th, and what did I, ta- what did I tell you? I said, hey, you watched that Bucks cardinals game on last night, on Christmas night, and how many people were slipping on the field? The Super Bowl is played there in a couple months. Kyler Murray planted and blew out his knee on that field. Maybe they want to look into this. Now, some of you did point out the fact that a whole new field was brought in two weeks ago for this game. According to a Twitter account, the NFL has spent two years preparing for the grass for tonight's field at the Super Bowl. You heard the announcers talking about it as well. The grass was grown at a local sod farm in Phoenix, It was installed two weeks ago, and the field has been rolled out each morning for daily sunshine. Total cost, $800,000. Well, maybe that $800,000 should have been spent elsewhere. Because that field was horseshit yesterday. How many times did the announcers bring it up? How many times did they show examples of players slipping? How many times did we see that players had to adjust their cleats and go from a half-inch to a three-quarter-inch cleat? For whatever reason, apparently grass fields does not work in Arizona because it's been that way all season. They bring in a new grass field just for this game, and it didn't do any better. Also, all the paint on the field. I get it. It's the Super Bowl. You're going to have a giant, you know, Super Bowl 57 logo and the words and different colors. That doesn't help matters, but there's nothing you can do about that. They're, ne- they're always going to have different colors and painting on the field. But on a grass field... I'm not saying it cost anybody the game, but it certainly became a talking point, didn't it? You think that you think that field company that made that field um, is going to be turning any profits after that game, and any other stadium is going to be using them to install a grass field? Not a chance in hell. That was awful, and I told you about this two months ago. And even with new turf and sodding being done on a farm in Phoenix and putting it out in the sunlight for two weeks. It was fucking terrible. You saw the game. So no thanks to your (laughs) imported grass, Phoenix. It was shitty. 
So we get to halftime. Eagles are up 24-14. They've done everything right in the first half. They have a 10-point lead right before the half. Patrick Mahomes gets tackled. It looks like he's re-injured that ankle. It didn't turn as much as I thought. I think it more had to do with the landing. But you were just like, wow, now he's got to sit for 40 minutes because the halftime is so long due to the Rihanna halftime performance. And any halftime show at the Super Bowl is two and a half times longer than a normal halftime in the NFL. So to see that, you were like, whoa, okay. Either If he's not good, this could turn into a rout. But all we had to do was watch the first drive of the second half where Kansas City marched downfield in 10 plays and 75 yards and got a touchdown, and now it's 24-21, 10 minutes left in the third quarter, and it's game on. Now, let's talk about the halftime performance for real quick. I understand that a lot of women love Rihanna out there. I love Rihanna. I've got plenty of her songs on my Apple Music, on my phone. Listen to her a lot. But I know, you know, the running joke in the Super Bowl is, oh, the women only watch for the halftime show, and the women only watch to see who, you know, and, and you saw it on Twitter, you saw it on social media last night. Once halftime started, it's like, all right, wow, you know, Rihanna's concert is interrupted by a football game. Ha, 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 ha. Not funny. Anyway, but if you watch the halftime performance, be objective. That wasn't a memorable halftime show. It wasn't. It was a Rihanna lip-syncing show. Played her hits. Didn't have any special guests. No crazy CGI. Yes, we did find out after the fact that she was pregnant. And it kind of explained because as I was watching it, I'm not going to share my text with anybody, but as I was watching it, I did make a comment to somebody in regards to why is this so low energy by her? Dancers are killing it, and she's just kind of going through the motions. But we find out she's pregnant, so makes all the sense in the world to me now. However, you know, you see this like, oh, iconic performance. No, I'm sorry. that what There was nothing iconic about it unless you want to say, she lip synced while she was pregnant, I guess. I don't know. Uh, or she sang over a, a, a soundtrack. But there was obviously lip syncing involved. It wasn't a terrible performance by any means. I'm not saying the Rihanna halftime show sucked. I'm just saying in a year from now, nobody's going to remember it. You know, I can remember last year's with Dr. Dre and Eminem and Snoop. Memorable. I remember Prince. And it raining on him while he's singing Purple Rain. Memorable. You too. After 9-11. Memorable. There's nothing memorable about Rihanna's performance last night. I'm sorry. It just wasn't. It was just Rihanna singing for 13 minutes. Her hits. So let's tap the brakes a little bit on Iconic. She's queen. All the credit in the world that she went out there and did that while she was pregnant. And we didn't find out about it till after the fact. Even though if you kind of looked closely her being in a giant baggy jacket, her rubbing her belly, and her having fairly low energy almost gave it away during the performance. But it was just fine. It was just a performance that I don't think many people are going to remember years from now, you know, other than to say that was the year that Rihanna performed pregnant. But the performance itself, the singing, the choreograph, hell, all these halftime shows are practiced for months and are very well choreographed. There was nothing about it that I thought, wow, that choreogra choreography was so much better than Super Bowl 48. You know, it's just like they're all choreographed unbelievably well. So 
yeah, the dancing, all the guys in the white coats and looked like, you know, they were in a snowstorm. Cool. But the performance itself, those 13 minutes of her singing her songs, I'm sorry. It wasn't iconic. It wasn't, oh, she's queen. It just was, it's not going to be a memorable Super Bowl halftime performance. All right, second half. (laughs) I mean, like I said, the Chiefs only had four possessions in the second half. Started the second half with the ball. Ten plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Cut it to 24-21. Philly comes back with a field goal after going 17 plays and 60 yards and eating up almost eight minutes of the clock. They go up 27-21. Philly comes back to – Casey comes back with the ball. Nine plays, 75 yards. Touchdown. Go up 28-27. Philly goes three and out. They return the punt to the five-yard line. A three-play, five-yard drive. Another touchdown. Up 35-27. Philly comes right back. Eight plays, 75 yards. Four minutes off the clock. Touchdown. Two-point conversion. We're at 35-35 with five and a half, you know, five minutes and 15 seconds left. And you're like, okay, here's the situation. It's 35-35. 5-15 left in the game. Philly has two timeouts and the two-minute warning. Casey took over, I think, their own 25 because there was a – I'm pretty sure that was a touchback. So you're like, okay, Patrick Mahomes hasn't been stopped in the second half. They are going to score on this drive, Kansas City is. Good chance they're going to score on this drive. The question is, how? what's the score going to be? Is it going to be a field goal or a touchdown? And what is the time going to be left on the back end for Philly to get the ball back and possibly tie it up or get a touchdown themselves and maybe go ahead if Kansas City kicks a field goal? So Kansas City's driving, and the biggest play was Patrick Mahomes running for 30 yards on an ankle that I thought was going to keep him from running, but it didn't. He runs for 30 yards down to the 19-yard line, and this is where things got interesting. They've got the ball first and 10 on the 19-yard line. And the very first play, they get two uh, two yards. So it's second and eight, two-minute warning. And the Eagles have two timeouts left. And I'm on my text thread with my guys, and I'm saying, look, if they get a first down here, the game's over. Because they're just going to take two knees and run the clock out. Because Philly is calling timeout after these next two plays. And if Casey gets a first down, it's over because then they'll have inside the nine-yard line, Philly will have no timeouts left, and they'll just take a knee and run it down to four seconds left on the clock and kick a field goal that's less than an extra point to win the game. Second down, Casey does nothing. It was a pass short right to Juju Smith-Schuster, got no gain. Timeout Philly. So right now we're at third and eight. They're on the 15-yard line of Philly. Philly has one timeout left. And the clock is stopped. Minute and 54 left in the game. And Greg Olson, you know my thoughts on Greg Olson, was my favorite announcer this season. He was excellent in yesterday's game. This is where he made his best point of the night. Now, diehard football fans were very well aware of what was happening here. The people that follow it and watch every Sunday, I think most of them knew what was what was the kind of peeking ahead to the bigger picture here of what needed to happen. 
could see that what what this was. But Olsen says, look, third and eight, minute 54 left. If you catch a ball past the nine-yard line and past the first down, if you're Kansas City, you immediately get down. Don't even try and score. Because if you do, that means that Philly gets the ball back down seven with plenty of time left and one timeout. But if you catch the ball inside the nine-yard line or you get a run and you pass the nine-yard line, immediately get down. There's no point in giving Philly any chance. But we never got to that because third and eight, they throw a fade pattern. They call a holding call on the Eagles. Downs reset. Now it's first and ten. And you're like, well, I mean, the game was over at that point. It did not matter what happened. Was it a bad call? Yes. It's a total bullshit call because I'm sorry, this is the Super Bowl. And the call wasn't, if he got tackled, if, if Mahomes throws a pass into the end zone and he's tackled beforehand or he's totally grabbed and spun around while the ball's about to hit him, yes, obviously you throw the flag. This was hand fighting at the line of scrimmage within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And not only that, but Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 10 yards over the guy's head. Now, I know catchable isn't a thing anymore in the NFL, but I'm sorry. A horrible call to make in that position, and I'm not saying that because I had the Eagles. If I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be like, yeah, shitty call. It doesn't mean if they don't call it that the Eagles are automatically going to win, but let's just say they don't call it. Interesting play call by the, by the Chiefs there. Because Patrick Mahomes threw that ball into the end zone, meaning they didn't throw it short and hope to get a first down and run the clock out. So if they would have scored a touchdown there, yes, they would have gone up by seven, but you would have had a minute and 45 minimum if you're the Eagles to go right back down the field with one timeout and score, which is plenty of time in an NFL game. So he could have been criticized for that, Andy Reid. Why are you throwing the ball into the end zone and possibly stopping the clock? Regardless, it was called a penalty, downs reset, and this Super Bowl ended because of a penalty. They didn't lose the game because of the penalty, but the game ended because of that penalty because all Kansas City had to do. As you know, the next play, they handed it off, and what did the runner do? Got to the one-yard line and slid because he knew. Philly was letting him score because that was the only way they could get the ball back, was hoping that this guy would be dumb enough to not score. But clearly the Kansas City coaches knew Philly's going to let you score here. That's the only chance to win the game. So get down before the end zone. And he did. Then you take a knee, you kick a field goal, chip shot, ball game. It's just a horrible, horrible way to end the game. So let me be very clear. The penalty didn't lose the game for the Eagles. The penalty ended the game. Big difference. What lost the game for the Eagles? The fact that you never stopped them from scoring on their four drives in the second half. Touchdown, 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 field goal. Thought you had the number one defense in the league. Now, if you look at the stats on the game, quite interesting. The Eagles team that had the most sacks in NFL, third most sacks in NFL history for a team in the regular season, zero sacks on the game. As I said, teams that were 26 and 1. Teams were 26-1 and one with a double-digit lead at halftime in the Super Bowl. Now 26-2. and two. What did I tell you before the game? Teams that have more rushing yards in the game. 
41 and 14 in the Super Bowl. Philly was 14 and 0 this year when outrushing their opponent. At halftime, they had a 50-yard rushing lead over the Kansas City Chiefs. For the game, they got outrushed by 40. Kansas City had 158 yards on the ground. Philly had 115, and 70 of those were by Jalen Hurts. But can you complain if you're Philly? Outside of the call that they made, and that was a bullshit call, and if the call isn't made, Kansas City kicks a field goal, goes up 38-35 with about a minute and 45 left. So Philly's got a minute 45 and one timeout to either get a field goal to tie it and send it to overtime or a touchdown to win it. But at least give us a chance to see an ending better than, oh, we'll just take a knee and kick a field goal as time expires, you know? That's why the call was so significant. Philly could have gotten the ball back and fumbled, and the game would have been over. Philly could have gotten the ball back and thrown in an interception. But they also could have kicked a field goal to tie it or got a touchdown to win it. That penalty cannot be called unless it's egregious and an absolute defensive holding, and I'm sorry it wasn't. Chiefs fans, you've got to admit it. It wasn't. Not saying you wouldn't have won the game if it was, wasn't called and you kick a field goal there. But let's face it, it wasn't egregious enough to be making that call. You have to take into account what game you're calling. If you want to call that in game six of the season, go ahead. But that was third and eight. He threw the ball 10 yards out of, over the receiver's head. That was a stopped clock, and that was, third, that was fourth and eight coming. Kansas City kicks a field goal with about 145 left, and then anything could have happened with Philly. Like I said, interception, they could have fumbled, they could have got a field goal, they could have got a touchdown. Like, wouldn't you have rather at least seen something like that as opposed to, well, we're going to hand it off to the running back, he's going to slide it to one yard line, we're going to take one knee because Philly can't stop the clock anymore, and we're going to kick a field goal. You know, it just, what an anticlimactic ending to an absolutely great game. It really was. But, man, <laughs> what a kick to the nuts that was. <laughs> really. I mean, can you explain it any other way? It was a kick to the nuts. If you're Philly, and I tell you at the end of the – if I told you before the game, Philly fans, you were going to put up 35 points, Jalen Hurts was going to run for three touchdowns, he was going to throw for over 300 yards, he was going to rush for 70 yards – I think you would have been pretty proud of the fact that those were your numbers. Oh, yeah. And you would have held Patrick Mahomes to under 200 yards passing. I think you would have said, Steve, did we win this by th three touchdowns or four touchdowns? <laughs> it's just they couldn't get stops when they needed to. Kansas City did anything they wanted in the second half. And I think that there's some serious out-scheming being done when the two touchdown, two of the three touchdowns you gave up in the second half were absolute mastermind plays by the Chiefs that had Philly's heads turning around and running around like their chicken with a head cut off. It just, it looked bad. There wasn't anybody within 10 yards of both of those receivers on two of those three touchdowns, you know? So, an absolutely great game. I hate, hate, hate that it ended the way that it did with that awful bullshit barely holding at the line of scrimmage call when the ball flew 10 yards over his head. It just, I'm sorry. It was a quick, it was a quick hold, a quick grab of the Jersey. It's not like he rode him the whole way down the field. 
God, it was just an awful call. You hate seeing games decided that way. And we get it. When any time a game is being refereed by humans, you have a chance for human error. But who wants to see the biggest game of the year decided like that? I'm sorry, Chiefs fans. You can't tell me that that was a legitimate call. If I had money on the Chiefs, I'd be telling you that was a horrible call. It was. It doesn't mean the Eagles would have won. But at least let us see what happens because they were playing so good. Both teams were awesome. Both teams couldn't stop the other one. Chiefs didn't do much to stop the Eagles. The Eagles punted twice all game. So, great game. Anticlimactic finish, for sure. Thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. What the hell are we going to talk about on the Sports Daily for the next, (laughs) until August? August 26th is our next football game. I'm not counting the XFL and USFL. Oh, boy. Uh, we'll We'll find stuff to fill it with. But anyway... Thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed these last two months talking football. The Sports Daily isn't going anywhere. We'll still be here every morning for you by 9 a.m. Eastern time, but less football to talk about until we get to, like, combine and draft and trades and stuff like that. There'll still be football to talk about, just no games. So, anyway, I appreciate you all listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. It's much appreciated. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.